0: Hello and welcome to NICE Talks, I'm Eddie Steinson, a member of NICE's media team. In this episode we're going to be talking about the recent publication of NICE's clinical guideline which supports people experiencing homelessness with integrated health and care services. I'll be speaking to Guillermo Rodriguez-Guzman from the Centre of Homelessness Impact and Rachel Johns, Deputy Regional Director at the Office for Health Improvement and Disparities. I began by asking Guillermo about the background to the guideline and how it was developed.
1: So, this new guideline was basically commissioned by the Department of Health and Social Care uh, as part of their rough sleeping strategy. Um, And the idea is to basically publish it later in this year. So, this is a really interesting guideline because it is a collaboration between the National Institute for Health and Care Excellence, NICE, Uh, in which they are working together with the Center for Homelessness Impact, uh, CHI, which is the organization I work for. So we feel that this is a really important guideline as it offers recommendations to ensure a much more joined up approach uh, for health and social care services for people experiencing experiencing homelessness in order to really ensure that these offers of support are meeting their needs uh, as effectively as they can.
0: Why is this guideline necessary to help people experiencing homelessness?
1: So, as as I was saying before, this is not only a housing issue, this is much wider. Um, so just to give you an example, mortality and morbidity uh, are considerably worse for people experiencing, experiencing homelessness. And these become worse uh, the longer the experience of homelessness is. So there was a really striking uh, statistic published by the ONS a couple of months ago uh, that basically showed that mortality among homeless people is around 10 times that of the general population and and their life expectancy is around 30 years lower than for the general population. So it's really, really important that we ensure that these uh, people are receiving the type of support uh, that they require. The other relevant issue here is that many people experiencing homelessness face a much more complex range of health mental health and social care needs as well as experiences of trauma and stigma so all of these um, working together might actually hinder their ability to receive support uh, as they need
0: what do we mean when we say people experiencing homelessness is that just people who are rough sleeping or living on the streets
1: no Um, The typical stereotype uh, that most people have around a person experiencing homelessness is exactly that is is someone who is sleeping on the street, on the streets, perhaps uh, in a tent, usually that stereotype is of is that of a middle aged man, but the reality is that that is only the tip of the iceberg. Homelessness actually covers a much broader range of situations that people can find themselves uh, in. And just to give you a a couple of examples, uh, this guideline actually includes people who are sleeping rough, which is basically that much more stereotypical uh, group. Um, But it also includes people who are uh, residents in temporary hostels, uh, those who are in unsupported temporary accommodation, those who are using uh, day centers, um, and also those who are temporarily saying with family or friends. So basically those dubbed as sofa surfing. Um, Importantly, we are basically finding a way of bringing all of these uh, groups together because they might have some commonalities in the challenges that they face. But at the same time, it's really, really important that health and care professionals are fully aware and understand the differences uh, and the different circumstances, because all of these experiences of homelessness also have uh, different needs. And in the end, it's really about focusing on the needs of the individual and how we can tackle those as effectively as they can. But also making sure that we are capturing all of these different groups and understanding the differences is important for the public. So we can start tackling uh, that uh, stereotype of the middle aged man uh, who is uh, sleeping in a tent.
0: What are some of the barriers to care and treatment that people experiencing homelessness
1: might face? Well, there are many reasons. Uh, We know that people have troubles engaging with services in general. Uh, I myself don't go to the GP as often as I should. So um, it's really important that we realize that everyone has different challenges. People have absolutely different challenges. But specifically, when you're thinking about people experiencing experiencing homelessness, there are many additional barriers. Just to give you a a couple uh, of examples. This could do with the implicit costs of accessing services, for instance, the transport um, to actually go to a GP surgery. A second one could be around uh, the availability of the services that they require. So where are these services located? When are these services open? But also around the acceptability uh, of these services. So are they felt as approachable? Uh, Are these services accounting for the potential experiences of trauma that these people have? So of course there are many other barriers that many people experiencing homelessness might face uh, that can include discrimination but also can include uh, stigma around accessing uh, specific services so thinking about really specific examples in our healthcare system uh, in many cases they have a requirement for a proof of address to register of course if you're homeless uh, that it's not going to be possible. But um, another barrier is that, in many cases, the communication happens through letters or telephone calls that, of course, make engaging with the system a lot more challenging uh, to make appointments or receive uh, prescriptions uh, more effectively. Another example is that, uh, in some cases, people might be penalized by missing appointments, which is actually failing to recognize Uh, the additional barriers uh, that some people may be facing.
0: What can we do to make it easier for people experiencing homelessness to access the care and treatment they need?
1: Well, there are many, many things that we can uh, be working on, and that's exactly a reason why people need to read these guidelines in which we're summarizing uh, really clearly and effectively many of these recommendations, but just uh, to give you a flavor um, of the key things that um, people working in these systems can actually consider. The first one is really educating um, those who provide services on the specific needs of, a home, of the homeless people and the differences between all of those uh, experiences of homelessness. The second one is really developing much more flexible services that support greater access. So um, elements like pop-up clinics or not requiring an address when using services, dropping services, making sure that we have uh, multiple services in a single place, ensuring that the engagements are longer, so we can actually have the time to go through the challenges uh, that someone uh, might have. So it's really bringing all of those elements into how we are supporting people experiencing, experiencing homelessness. Something else uh, that is really important is just making sure that we are building relationships that that are based in trust. Uh, and really recognizing that this might take time. Uh, It requires a longer term uh, engagement and a lot more support than uh, for other groups of, of the population.
0: I then spoke to Rachel Johns, who is chair of the guideline committee, had an integral role in bringing these organizations together. And I began by asking her how the process worked and who was involved
2: so the guideline that's just been published we're really excited about it it's had lots of people involved in the process and i'm really flattered to be able to um to talk about it on behalf of all those individuals so we um it's a process that works with stakeholders and partners on scoping out what should be covered by the guideline and then um, also goes back to those um, stakeholders and asks for comments on the draft guidelines and on the, the process. We have a development team from NICE and from the National Guideline Alliance, which um, provides the um, the structure. They keep us on track and they do the evidence reviews and the economic analysis that supports the process. And then we have the guideline committee committee. Um, where we're really lucky to have a wide range of people um, on the committee. We have experts by experience. We have a range of professionals working across the um, spectrum of services and settings, and they come from different parts of the country as well. So we've got quite a good mix. And as you can see, a lot of people behind that um, who've worked over um, really quite a rapid timescale for a piece of guidance like that. We And obviously, we did it all online through the COVID pandemic.
0: And what are some of the key features of the guideline?
2: The, um, there's, there's a number of key features in there which I, you know, really encourage people to have a look at. But I think some of the things to draw out are the the general principles that we kept coming back to because what we discussed was that we did. If if you're somebody who's experienced homelessness, you don't need different treatment for your cardiovascular disease to somebody who is hasn't experienced homelessness similarly you know if you have a complication of pregnancy you don't need um, a different um, treatment but what you probably do need is an understanding that you might have different needs in terms of how you access services or how you um engage with them longer term and so those principles which are the the start of the recommendations include things like designing services with people who have um who have experience um being attentive to the range of needs that might come you might come for one thing but actually you've you've got a load of other issues that uh, that will need support allowing more time for consultations um thinking about the background and um, that very many people who experience homelessness have trauma um, in in their background and might that um, trauma informed care and psychologically inf- informed environments are r- really important um, and that 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 applies wherever you might happen to come come into contact with health and care, social care services. Thinking about um, communication methods that people might not find it as um, easy to just pick up emails and those those kind of issues, and supporting people who to get back into services if they drop out for a while, and recognizing that that might be something that happens, and that we um, we should design services around that. Another kind of key aspect of the guideline is, is the, the models of multidisciplinary services, which I'm hoping will be really useful. So there's kind of two main strands. One one is for people who were professionals and peers and um, um, colleagues who work in multidisciplinary teams already and um, and how those can be strengthened. And then also People who work in and we've called it mainstream services, services that are not specifically designed for people experiencing homelessness, but who may provide services to people experiencing homelessness and may not feel um, as confident in that process and and may may not um take take on board some of the the aspects that we those principles we've been talking about so that's where we've kind of focused is those two specifics they they interlink but um they 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 need recommendations um separately other aspects are you know the role of peers about improving access and engagement thinking about transitions moving between services moving between um settings and sectors thinking about safeguarding of um what are often very vulnerable individuals and about long-term support that this is um, about um, supporting people over, over the length of their lifetime and making sure that services are, uh, are supported.
0: Can you tell me why you think this guideline is particularly significant?
2: So absolutely everybody that we talked to um about this guideline has, has has all has started with isn't it fantastic that that there is going to be a guideline for um this community for people who experience homelessness and that um and so for me that what that was a real indication was that it's it 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 has felt like a a gap that people know some things about it, but actually it's it's bringing together the, the rigour of the NICE process um, and all the expertise to say, where are we? What do we know? Um, and so so that's been really um, important. And, and the reason for that is because this is such a, a disadvantaged group and they uh, people who experience homelessness have far worse health and social care outcomes than the general population. People who um, experience homelessness are more likely to um, use hospital acute services and emergency services and often stay in longer because they have more than one need that needs to be met and that that can be more complicated. And that's often because there are barriers to to, um, getting to um, preventative and, and primary care services that might have helped avoid some of those issues. And that that can make life um, much more complicated. So that's why the guideline is really important. And what it's helped us do is because of the rigour of the process that that NICE and the um, NGA take us through, is it, um, it has helped us understand where the research is and where it's strong and where it isn't and where um there's clear consensus. But where the research um, isn't as strong as we would have liked to have been, we we are also able to make recommendations about future research. So I think it's significant in the guideline and in, in developing future research.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Nice Talks. If you enjoyed this episode, please click subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn and Instagram with the handle Nice Comms. Thank you for joining us. Until next time.